I'm so excited. I'm excited. I've, I've been saying that a lot, but I really just, I really am. I've been wanting to start this podcast for a while. And, you know, a lot of the recent events here in 2020 uh, made it so that way people had to stay inside. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. And so what better time to start something that I've always wanted to start than right now? You know, what better time than the present? And so in this episode, I'm actually going to have my team member, a guy who actually works for me, works for me in my business. That is not the podcast. It's my other business. Hashtag raw dating advice. I am a dating coach, have been for a while. And Chris works with me over on the marketing side of hashtag raw dating advice. And every now and then I'm going to have episodes like this where I'm pulling in some of my team members, some of my close friends, maybe even my girlfriend one day. She's listening to me record this in show right now. Um, but, uh, maybe one day I'll be able to convince her to come onto the podcast. Either way, I brought Chris on because me and Chris, we hang out a lot. We work together a lot and we talk about a lot of things that I think would be really interesting to talk about on hashtag raw and relentless from time to time. So, um, don't get mad if every episode is in a brand new guest, I actually want to keep be bringing on my favorite guests over and over again. You know, the cool part about owning a show, having your own show, having your own podcast, and especially being as early on as we are, um, we can really experiment with what we want to do with the show and the different formats. And in this show, I'm bringing on my team member, Chris, who works with me every single day, and we talk about some of my hot takes on current events, pop culture, modern science, conspiracies, and sometimes some stoner thoughts. So enjoy this one, episode five. Sit back, relax, and enjoy yourself. Some R and R. No, wait, this great. is the fifth episode. Fifth episode is a great start. You know what I fucking love about the fact that it is, it's only the fifth episode? What is that? <clears throat> is that this this podcast is so young, and we're already established that we are in this for the long haul. We are in this for the long game. This is going to be the number one podcast in the world one day. And Caleb Maddox gave us the motivation on the last podcast, episode four, to hit the motherfucking skip button. And so that's our focus right now is what is our skip button? How do we become the number one in the world without having to be the ones who have to show up consistently and hopefully over time we maybe grow over the next 10 years? Because here's here's the cool part about that. We're going to grow regardless. Do we want to grow fast or do we want to go slow? That's the question. Mm. And that's something we've been working on, actually, is just really uh, kind of scripting it out and just being more methodical with how we grow this channel. Since mm. you already have a YouTube channel and you've already grown that, you're going to kind of reapply the same kind of <laughs> tactics for this one. I just realized you have an amazing shirt on right now. Why do you think I wore it? because <laughs> he knew it was going to be on the podcast and so yes, sir. we got chris motherfucking perez on the podcast right now as you can tell he is wearing the raw dating advice merch that only we only give to the team members exclusive exclusive merch um i have no intention of ever selling in that and that is not just a false scarcity thing it's just one of those things that i created so my team members could actually look like my team members so uh chris is rocking the merch and that's interesting because i think this is your first appearance on the actual Raw and Relentless podcast. You've shown up a few times on Raw Dating Advice um, just as almost like color commentary as we were testing out the new studio. Um, yeah. But now that the podcast is going, that brings me to my other point about why I'm excited about this opportunity for us is that we are able to shape our identity right now have, however we want. 
And, and I was reading in the 48 laws of power. Um, this is one that's always stuck in my mind. Have you ever heard of the 48 laws of power? I've heard of it, but never read it. It's by Robert Greene, bro. <laughs> 48 laws of power will change your motherfucking life. And it will also make you really realize how the world really works. Um, the first chapter, the first law of power, I will never, ever forget. And is don't shine outshine the master, never outshine the master. And Robert Greene is an amazing storyteller, but all the stories and all the examples he uses are real moments in past history. But you think like 1400s history, 1300s history, 1600s history, he's going way back, giving you examples of why you don't outshine the master for every law of power. And the first one, it blew my mind. He was literally like, um, so there was this, I forget what the time frame was, but uh, I imagine it being like the same time frame as like the, wherever, whenever that Disney ma- movie, uh, Rapunzel, because it's like mm. she's put in the top of a fucking huge castle tower and just kept prisoner up there. Well, this story is exactly the same because there was a king and then there was a guy who was running for some high political position, right? And he just got promoted by the king and they threw a big celebration party um, to kind of just commemorate this. And the guy who was coming up, he made the party about him and he got all the energy and attention around him. He was the life of the party. This made the master, the king, who put him in, in that position feel insecure. He felt like this guy was coming after his spot. And it was not just because um, he's the master and he was giving this guy a chance, but it's almost like everybody has a little bit of a fragile ego a little bit secretly and so one of the laws of power is don't outshine the master because this guy outshined the master he made it about him and then the next day the king uh has the guards arrest him puts Chop him off at the head. top of a fucking mountain and then or in the top of the castle and then eventually beheads him like you said but. so don't outshine the master but one of the other laws of power i forget exactly which one it was it's uh reinvent yourself and so like i've already talked about my story of how i became the 21 year old virgin to the 30-year-old world-renowned dating coach, to um, even just like how I grew my business, my my other hero's journey on the business side of things, starting out struggling and then eventually getting clients, eventually writing a book that sells like wildfire and to this day is um, bringing in all the customers and revenue to the front end of my business, right? I had to constantly reinvent myself and with this podcast, what's amazing about our opportunity right now is we're on the fifth episode in and we can literally choose whatever we want our identity to be. Just like anybody listening to this fucking shit can choose what their identity they want it to be from today moving forward. You are not stuck, all right? You're not a tree. A tree is grows in one place and stays there for the remainder of its life. You're not a fucking tree. You can move, you can reinvent yourself, all right? And so with this podcast... Man, I, I don't even know if I want to pigeonhole myself yet into being a guest-based podcast. Mm-hmm. I want to make it like, this is my fucking entourage. These are the people I roll with. So like you're just like the fucking show Entourage. You got Vinny Chase. You got E. You got, um who's, a, have you ever seen that show? I watched the movie. I've never seen the show. What did you think of the movie? It was cool. I felt like it, it had a lot of uh like uh references to like the show which i didn't understand Mm. but i just understood that it was a reference that's like you tuning in to watch season nine episode one and that's the only thing you've ever watched in the show (laughs) damn so i'm missing out yeah i mean that was like one massive episode it was like an hour and a half long most of the episodes are like 30 minutes so it's like two or three episodes yeah like put into one basically but it was a it was a great movie i just didn't they kind of tried to wrap it up nicely at the end but I don't know. I just, it just still left me wanting more. So anyways, 
I want that same effect, right? A lot of the people who came on the first four podcasts, like it's kind of my entourage in Scottsdale. Those are the people I roll with. Those are the people I go to dinner with. Those are the people I break bread with. I hang out with at pool parties, right? You're on my team. Eventually we're going to grow the team even more. So I want to be able to make this a, a podcast where it's not just the guests that I have on that determines if the podcast gets listened to. I want to make this podcast that is about the raw and relentless brand. People want to grow with us. The people who are listening to us now have the advantage of being able to say when we are the number one podcast in the world, um, whether it takes us 50 episodes or 500 episodes, by that point in time, they'll be able, able to say, I listen from fucking day one. I was listening to when Patrick was talking about his vision for the podcast on episode five. I was growing with him as they figured out the fucking game. I'm yeah. excited about that shit. Honestly, I think that's like, for me personally, I like watching channels grow as well. Like just being a part of it because it feels like you're a part of something, you know, like you're you're on a mission with them. Mm. And I think that's that's what I love about like what you got going on here. Mm. And man, just like on a side note, dude. Uh, with reinventing yourself, like something I want to mention, man, uh, that that's been hitting home a lot recently, honestly, reinventing yourself mm. and just the importance of it. Because uh, I remember coming here uh, just with the dream of becoming a the the next dog whisperer, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and as, as Caesar Milan, little Caesar Milan. Yeah. Yeah. But honestly, dude, I, I've been just questioning, like, is that really where I want to go? Like, I've I've personally just been lost, mm. like. I've been just kind of reinventing myself because I, I, I didn't want to pigeonhole. I was like, yeah, I like I, I love dogs. Don't get me wrong. And, you know, I, I've I worked at a kennel picking up their shit and stuff. And that's fun. And that's cool. But I don't know if that's what I want to do. Do you whisper the to the shit? Hey, I'm little shit. I'm like, come here. Come here. <laughs> Go poop, little buddy. <laughs> no. And, and so, like, I, I don't know, man. Um. I forgot where I was going with this, but just you've like, been reinventing yourself. You thought you wanted to be the dog whisperer. So are you kind of, you, you said you feel lost. Why do you feel like you feel lost? As far as like where, where exactly I want to go mm. just because honestly, like I do see myself here at raw dating advice for the long, like five plus years, yeah. but also just watching you work and watching what you build. It's like, it, it's kind of reignited this flame inside me of trying to figure out like what impact do want, I want to leave on this world. Mm. And, and it's like for right now I'm building on my skill set. That's really what I'm focusing on. Cause I, I tell myself like, it doesn't even matter if like, I don't know what I want right now. I think the most important I, thing I can do is build up the, the, my skill set because then that's going to give me like the, the tools later on in my life to have that impact no matter where I go. Yeah. Yeah, it's all about getting the right skills that'll set you up for success, right? I I think that's part of the reason why I'm so confident with this new podcast, this new channel, um, is because I've built up a channel that got close to 30,000 subscribers before. I've done it. I know what it takes to get there. I also know the mistakes I made along the way that made it take so long to get there, right? Same thing with my business. If my business started from scratch, if I lost my business tomorrow, I would know how to start another business and build it back up to the same level because I had done it before. I'm confident in my ability to do it. And I've been around people who are doing it every single day, right? And I think that's kind of kind of what goes here. Like you you moved to Arizona and, and you can, I, I'm curious to hear like more about your story. And I think a lot of the guys, just so if you're watching this and you do follow the dating advice channel, understand that Chris is not brought on to be a dating coach. He is literally my marketing assistant, right? There's only so much I can do in the hours I'm awake each day, which is why you got to grow a team. 
And I think that's, man, we could go on, on a whole discussion about this because I'm so passionate about just like the business and the, 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 the growth that someone goes through as they grow the business and as they continue their journey. But one of the biggest lessons you got to learn is at a, at, at a certain point for you to grow, you've got to give up control. And, and for me as the business owner, especially anybody who's kind of like self-made, they, they, they literally by definition got themselves there. And because of that, they want to continue to get themselves there. Right. And what, mm-hmm. what, what gets you here won't always get you there. Right. It's kind of like, um, yeah, I forget the quote. I was going to name some fucking Einstein quote, but fuck it. Uh, I didn't think it applied. The quote I thought of was you can't solve a problem at the paradigm it was created. It's kind of similar to the sense that if you want to ascend to the next level, the next paradigm, you have to kind of drop the fucking current mindsets and beliefs that got you there. Right. And so as we grow, as the business raw dating advice reaches more guys for me to continue to have an impact at the level that I do with all these new guys on, on following raw dating advice, subscribe to the email newsletter, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I've got to get people to assist. And, and, you know, some person handles customer support. Another person handles editing videos. Another person handles um, what you're doing is literally just overseeing all the marketing stuff I can't get to in the day-to-day basis. Right. And then obviously I got to show up on camera and do what I do as far as the coaching side of things. So, yeah. I don't know your thoughts, dude. Yeah. I mean, just, just seeing you just like with the videos and just even editing, dude, that takes up so much like part of your time. Like, I don't think, I don't know if people know this, but like you do all the editing for your videos. It's like, you don't have, you don't outsource it. No one, no one's there to, to help you out with that. And currently, you know, uh, we're kind of working on that to find someone to help you out with that. But if there's a person listening to this podcast and you have video editing experience that exceeds just iMovie and you know how to use Photoshop and Premiere Pro and you're looking to start editing some videos, we are looking to add an editor to our team ASAP Rocky, because like I said, if I want to grow the podcast, I've got to start delegating some of the tasks that don't require me to do it. There's other people who can edit and, and honestly, I need to be worried about the more higher leverage, have leverage things like bringing more people to the business, exposing more people to this, the marketing of the podcast, et cetera. So if there is any video editor listening to this, we are down to hire, uh, email us at raw and relentless podcast at gmail.com, uh, a little resume, maybe a couple samples of videos, edits that you've done and, uh, kind of just why you would think that you would be a great fit for the raw and relentless team. Um, this is obviously a branch and offshoot of raw dating advice. And I consider this to be the hub and I consider the hub to be almost bigger than the branch, the offshoot, because I've said this, I think I said this in Clark's episode, but raw dating advice is in the center. Eventually we're going to have raw business advice, raw fitness advice. I have coaches that I know that would be amazing to hire and run those, those branches. Um, but also I've gone through fitness phases in my life and I I just wanted to be able to have that option down the road. I've definitely gone through business phases of my life and eventually I might end, end up starting to do that coaching people on their businesses too. Um, I, I already do that kind of on the side a little bit, but the main thing is dating advice right now. Raw and relentless is for everybody, men, women, people who want to improve, people who want to talk about conspiracies, people who want to just be entertained so they can have a little bit of positivity in their life. That's what this podcast is. It's not a fucking personal development podcast. It's not a guest-based podcast. It's us. It's raw. It's unfiltered. It's relentless. And it's only for the people who really vibe with those things as well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. And like, I'm excited just to see, like, I'm, I'm honestly very grateful to have come in the time that I did because it's like, I came like right between you making the transition from like getting to from here and now you're going up 
up here, you know, taking that next level, that next step. Yeah. Yeah. We are literally, what's crazy is like with the trajectory that the raw dating advice business has taken, especially now that we have gotten the ads really working, um, bringing, exposing more people to, to my book. Um, the business, especially with the, the backend coaching programs that we have, the, the monthly, the legendary game, you know, the boot camp, all things like that. It's literally like an exponential growth curve at this point. And we are right in the middle of the part where it starts kind of turning from a little bit horizontal, going a little bit vertical to straight up. And we are right at that point, which is a really exciting time. And so I, I guess I'm curious, like, I know that you have an interesting story simply because through talking to you, I've learned about you have your own LLC, you have things that you've tried in the past, but really it's kind of like you're trying to find your identity, talking about re reinventing yourself. David Data always makes this fucking, um, this analogy. He's like, your life is like an onion, right? And at the core of the onion is your core purpose. The thing that, that drives you, that motivates you, that you're working towards, that you're trying to build your, le your fucking long-term legacy. But on your way to get to the core, you're going to be starting on the outer layers of the onion and you got to constantly peel back another layer of the onion. And it's almost like every time you reinvent yourself or every time you take a huge risk, you peel back another layer, you get closer to your real purpose. And so, you know, I had a similar journey and you fucking know this, but I guess I got to connect the dots just so we really understand that you shouldn't feel bad about the fact that you feel lost in your current path. You feel like you don't really know what you're working towards or you don't know if your current goals um, align with what your goals were last month, et cetera. Because at the end of the day, just by moving forward, you're getting closer to your core purpose. And honestly, my core purpose has fucking changed at every phase of my life. I've realized that about every four or five years, I'm almost like a completely different person. Right when I was 16, I was shim I was timid, I was shy, I was not confident at all. Even on the basketball court, especially when my coach was wa watching, I would start trying harder to try to to try to play good in front of the coach, which completely fucked me up and put me in my own head. And that was honestly one of the first lessons that I learned going into dating advice is how to get out of your own head. And I was like, had I learned any of this shit when I was still playing basketball, who the fuck knows what could have happened? Right. Cause I was so in my own head. It was like, it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy that I was destined to fail because I wasn't confident in my ability to succeed. And it came through in my actions and my motions. But at one point in time, all I ever thought about my fucking obsession was playing for the NBA one day. And that was from my obsession from probably age five all the way to, if I'm being honest, 23, even if I wasn't on the fucking D one team, I still tried out every year. I fucking trained like a fucking college athlete because I wanted to make the team. Right. And long story short, D one colleges, if they have tryouts is really just, um, out of formality, they don't plan on taking anybody because it was like an hour-long tryout and the first 50 minutes were just running sprints. So it's like... No, you can't really showcase anything other than you can run. You can't showcase shit. And by the time you get to showcase anything, you're so fucking exhausted. Like, what are you going to fucking do? You're going to fucking dunk on everybody? No, because your legs were just running for 50 minutes straight. Not just running, sprinting, <laughs> right? So it, it was kind of a fucking joke, if I'm being honest. Um, but... Uh, for the first 22, 23 years of my life, that's what I thought my path was. In fact, I almost, I went and talked to college, like smaller colleges, thought about going to those teams. Right. And they, I had the opportunity to go, but it just wasn't up to my standard. I wanted to play D one and I wanted to go to the NBA. And I knew if I had gone to some fucking no name, fucking Christian college in the middle of nowhere, Kansas, it wouldn't have happened. Right. And so, uh, that path got dropped pretty quickly when I was like, well, what if I should actually get a good degree that actually leads me to getting money. And so 
for two years because at that point I had two years of college left and the counselor was like, yeah, you should probably consider something other than medicine because I was in engineering. I wanted to be a mechanical engineer. I did that for one semester, fucking dropped that shit. I was like, let me, I want to be a doctor. She's like, I don't know, but your GPA is like 3.0. It's probably not competitive to get in. So every fucking semester until I got my college degree, which was like two and a half years left, I got a 4.0 and I studied my fucking ass off. Up to that point in my life, I had never gotten a 4.0 before once. So just through sheer force of will, I was like, I'm going to make this fucking thing happen. And I thought that was my path. It was my obsession. I was going to become the best doctor in the world. I fucking, I remember I, I like basically memorized my entire organic chemistry book in college. And I fucking knew that shit like the back of my own hand, which I don't really know much about the back of my own hand, (laughs) if I'm being honest, but I knew that fucking shit forwards and backwards and left and right and in between. Right. And so, uh, when I did that, I realized I don't really know if I want to go to medical school because I was filling out the medical school application. And the first question to KU medical school was on the application was why medicine? And I thought about it and I was just like, I honestly don't have a good answer for this because my answer going in was I just, I want to be successful. I want to make money. Cause that's kind of why I go to college. And, and there's like always this, this fucking negative like perception in the, in the medical space is like, Oh, if he's money motivated, he's not in it for the right reasons, which is kind of bullshit anyways. Cause it's like, it's like the fucking people on the bachelor, every single episode on every season is always that person's not here for the right reasons. That person's here for the wrong reasons. They were talking about trying to win the bachelor. That's not the right reason. You should be here to find love. Right. And so they may, they villainize the person who's there for the wrong reasons and medical schools and dental schools do the same thing. If you're money motivated, they fucking are, they won't accept you because they think it's like a bad thing. When in reality, I guarantee you 95% of people who go into medicine or dental do it because of the prestige that comes with being a medical doctor or a dentist and the fucking money that comes with it. You want to be financially well off. If you were making 30 grand as a fucking doctor, you probably wouldn't do it, right? Those people who want to make 30 grand just help people become school teachers and they complain about the money they're not making, right? And so, uh, so because I didn't have a good answer, I literally um, was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to become a dentist because dentists run their own shit. They are the fucking leader. Whereas doctors are kind of just like slaves to the insurance companies and slaves to whoever runs the hospital. Right. And so I was like, fuck it fully on my own self-made man. I'll go to dental school. So immediately I took the fucking dental school exam, get in the 98th percentile of the exam, get into whatever school I want, which happened to be in Arizona. Cause I fucking love Arizona and um, moved here. And again, I thought my fucking path was dentistry, but then I dropped out, became a fucking dating coach. In fact, I became a charisma coach. I wasn't even a dating coach. I didn't want to identify as a dating coach because I honestly, it was a little bit of imposter syndrome. It was like, I just started what, what would be the easiest way to kind of get my foot in the door? Well, what if I do something that nobody else is doing, which is charisma coaching. And I realized real quickly that the reason nobody else is doing charisma coaching is because that's not what people invest in. Nobody goes to bed at night thinking I need more charisma. They go to bed at night thinking I want to know how to get the girl. Why won't Becky text me back? Right. And so, um, when I learned that was one of the first valuable lessons I learned, but honestly, even me as a dating coach, I didn't become a successful until I changed my identity, reinvented myself as someone who, who was passionate about the business of things so I can grow, so I can understand how to get people in the door, so I can understand how to actually give value to someone's life. So the moral of the story is that was me changing my path from age 20 all the way up to 30, right? And so you're what, how old? 22. You're 22 years old. I reinvented myself three times after I was 22. So I think you're on the right path. 
Yeah, and something I want to go back to is like the the fact that how many people think that if money is your motivator and you're like upfront about it, yeah, that it's such an evil type thing. You know, society kind of condemns you for for being money motivated, but in reality, those people that that say they're not, I feel like deep down they're held down by like that prisoners to to the fact to money. You know, because you can't you 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 can't say out loud like, well, yeah, like I'm in it for the money. Here's here's the way I see it, money is a man-made fucking thing. It's a man-made creation to run us, run a society on a system that was also man-made. And we're already seeing the flaws in the current system because capitalism is seeing its fucking darkest days in 2020 because of this fucking whole shutdown and then the racial, the whole racial thing going on in the US, right? So it's a man-made system run on a man-made thing, which is money. They literally just print new money so they can fucking stimulate the fucking economy, right? And so um, if you think about it like that, then you also realize that people aren't born inherently with a hate of money. Do you understand that? Because it's a man-made thing. You are a clean slate when you're born. You don't come into this world, come out the womb, hating money inherently. It's not built into your DNA. The reason why you hate money is because you see it as a scarce thing and you see people who have it as different than you, but also as worse than you. And the reason why they do that is because people love to play the victim. People love to find a scapegoat. People love to have their failures justified. And so when they try to get money and they can't get money or they feel like the bills keep piling up, they run out a month before they they run out of money, right? Uh, when a person's in that position, that's when they start getting a negative association towards abundance with not only money, but anything in life, right? An abundance mindset is universal. How you do one thing is how you do everything. If you're lazy in your fitness, you're probably going to be lazy in other areas of your life. If you, if you hit the snooze button every, every fucking day and you procrastinate, you're probably going to hit the snooze button on your fucking life too, right? And so how you do one thing is how you do everything. And the good part about that is when you realize that you can instantly start changing your habits. And it's not just changing your habits. Like if you have bad habits, habits are hard to break, but it's about inserting the right habits. So that way that right habits kind of outshine the bad habits. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of like in a computer and to get rid of the old programming, you have to create a new code or new program. Yeah. Or it's kind of run out. Yeah. It's like, do you want to overwrite the old version of this fucking shit? And so right now, if you feel like you have a negative association towards people talking about money, towards people talking about their fucking goals and ambitions, and if they're money driven, then understand you, that hate was not born into you, right? That was not nature. It was nurture. It's the way you were brought up. It was the way that you started to view money as growing up as a kid. Maybe your family was poor. Maybe you saw your parents get divorced because they didn't have enough money, right? Most, most as a dating coach, I, I mean, I see the research every fucking day. Most of the time, a lot of these marriages are ending and divorces are happening due to financial stress, right? That's the number one cause of divorce, financial fucking stress, right? So if you're, you're a kid and your parents are going through that and you see that, or if you were on the other side and you're a parent and you're going through that, you're naturally going to develop a, a negative association towards money. And let's be honest, if, if you have a scarcity mindset towards women and you have a negative association towards guys who get women and hot women, because you've never had a hot woman, do you ever think you're going to get her if you have a negative thought and viewpoint towards her? No, because you're just your subconscious instinct is kind of going to be like, get away, get away. Yeah, your subconscious is naturally going to repel it away because it's going to affect your your fucking persona, your vibe that you're giving off, the actions that you take, the actions that you don't take, and the story that you tell yourself. And the story that you tell yourself is money is bad, money is evil, people who are money driven don't deserve to fucking have money because they're evil people, which is not at all true. There are a lot of people who are miserable, who have a lot of money. There are a lot of people who do fucking suck 
and they have a lot of money, but there are a hell of a lot of people who are great people who always give back, who also are highly money motivated. I would consider Caleb Maddox, for example, one of those people. He gives to homeless people more than anybody I've ever fucking met, right? And I've been in the medical, and like a lot of these people, like I said on his episode, when you're trying to get into medical school or dental school, you'll volunteer just so you can put that on your resume. Caleb Maddox doesn't need a fucking resume because he runs his own business. Caleb Maddox is never trying to get into a private school. He just gives back because he has, you know, and that's the thing, too. It's like and that's not saying like he's that way because he has money. Like if you don't have like money is just one way to give. Yeah. Right. Like there's also your time and just like just your 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 resources that you have. Like you can go and volunteer to hand out food to the to the homeless. Go volunteer at a dog shelter. Yeah. You know, and it's like there's there's so much more to giving than just money. There's one thing that I learned early on in my uh, I guess journey of personal development. When I first started reading books, I read the richest man in Babylon. And one of the key lessons from the richest man in Babylon, I, I realize this podcast is just me talking about shit. I've learned in books, but the richest man in Babylon, one of the key lessons was you always pay yourself first 10%. All right. So it's just a lesson. If you make a hundred dollars, put 10 of it in savings and never touch it. All right. And, and the kind of lesson here is if you made a hundred dollars, or if you made $100,000, if you can't put 10% away when you're making only 100, do you really think you're going to do it when you have money, right? And the reason I say this is because a lot of people might be listening to this and they might think, well, I would give back too if I had anything to give. But if you're not giving 10% with a little bit that you have now, you're not going to give 10% when you have a lot, right? Giving back, giving value, having an abundance mindset is a fucking mental shift that you choose. And it's actually the mental shift that allows you to become the person that reaches the goal in the first place. Because like we, the whole reason we started this conversation is when you start from a place of scarcity and you kind of, kind of start playing the victim you start telling yourself that the world is out to get me and it's conspiring against me and the people who have the things that I want subconsciously, even if I don't want to admit that I want those, then you're, you're already off to the bad on the wrong foot, right? You're starting off bad and you're actually going in the wrong direction. Yeah. And that's something that I even had to check myself, like just with my finances, because it's like if I can't even handle myself with these finances that I have now, like there's no, oh, wait till another time that I'm going to have money. No, it's like now what am I doing with it? Where is it going? And then that type of mindset is going to that attitude is going to convert to like me being able to understand where my money's going and hold a bigger portion of it. Yeah. So I had I, I kind of want to shift gears here a little bit yeah. um, because I, I took a note. I have my laptop right here about a few things that came up for me because I want to talk about some of the things going on and kind of give my hot take on it because I got a lot of hot takes on a lot of things. And if there's one thing that me and Chris both know is that Patrick motherfucking James can talk all day, every day. I can. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's for a fact. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So here's here's one fucking thought that I had because um, I've noticed the week I fucking and we said this before the week I fucking started this podcast is the week that Joe Rogan got paid a hundred mil. Some people think it was actually more than a hundred million to fucking get moved over to Spotify exclusively. So obviously if you live under a rock, then kind of here in the, in the nutshell is Joe Rogan. He has a free podcast just like this one. It's on YouTube. He's had, it's been around for many years, over a decade and He's gotten a lot of good guests on, especially recently. And in the last year, I feel like he really experienced a lot of fucking growth. And and uh, and it's interesting to kind of hear the motivation because I don't think he's publicly commented on it a lot. But Clark Kegley, who was on one of the first episodes, he sent me a link 
the day after Joe Rogan announced his fucking podcast got sold to Spotify for $100 million. I don't know if it was technically sold to Spotify. It's still his. He'll just be exclusively over there. Clark sent me a, a video, a link to a video on Alex Jones' website. Clark is secretly an Alex Jones watcher. I don't know if he's super big in Alex Jones, but he definitely um, pays attention to what Alex Jones is saying. Take it or leave it however you want. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. And I, honestly, I haven't done enough research about Alex Jones to really form my own opinion on him. I just know he's kind of an extreme dude. And so one of the things, and it, by the time I actually clicked on the link and I went to view it, the video was taken down. It literally said this video has been taken down, removed by user or something like that. And I was like, Clark, it was removed. What was the whole podcast or what was the video that you sent me about? And he goes, it was Alex Jones saying that the night that he announced selling to Spotify for a hundred mil, uh, he called Alex Jones and had a really long conversation, like a two or three hour long conversation with him about the whole reason he moved over is because this is him declaring war on the freedom of speech and like how he's tired of YouTube censoring everything. And so I kind of started going, all right, well, maybe there's some relevance to this, but it is Alex Jones. So who the fuck knows? He could just be making this up for views. And so I started paying attention to Joe Rogan. And anytime he made a public comment on the whole Spotify situation, which is not very often. And when he does, it's kind of just like a really quick offhand comment. Subtle. Mm -hmm. It's a good word. He did mention in a recent podcast, oh yeah, I talked to Alex Jones right after I sold to Spotify. And so that, that not only, not only confirmed to me that the conversation did happen, but now it's like, did the conversation about his war against the whole freedom of speech and taking a stand against YouTube censorship and kind of YouTube, um, taking down what they don't want to promote and, and promoting whatever serves their own agenda. Um, I've noticed that in the times that I've been following Joe Rogan, he's really anal about, oh, we can't play that music or we can't show that video, even if we're talking about it because it'll get demonetized and whatnot. So we all know that he is really not okay with getting demonetized and deplatformed by YouTube potentially, right? And so, man, this whole Spotify deal, I think is uh, amazing for him, not only as a, as a podcaster and showing what's really possible if you really have that legit of a podcast, but also, I'm really interested to see how this whole situation with YouTube plays out because here's what's going to happen. The moment podcasts, his podcast is taking off of YouTube completely at the end of end of 2020. And the moment all of the videos are moved over to Spotify, it's exclusively on Spotify. He has full rights over what he can talk about on a show. There's no censorship and it's free to listen to on Spotify. YouTube is going to go through some interesting changes. I don't know what those changes are yet, but I have a feeling they're not only going to, one, start trying to paint themselves in a more positive light on the censorship side, so they're probably going to change their algorithm. It'll be interesting to see what kind of views are getting views or videos are getting views in the beginning of 2021 and how they respond to Joe Rogan being off the podcast or off the, off the platform. Also, it'll be interesting to see, do they start promoting video podcasts more because they want someone else to rise up and take Joe Rogan's spot, keep people on the platform. It'll be interesting to see. So I don't know. What are some of your thoughts on this? Yeah, and that's something we've been talking about, especially with this whole uh, with the Joe Rogan thing. It's just like, what does that mean for podcasts on YouTube? And just I feel like just even about the censorship around podcasts, is that going to be like a little bit tighter? Because I think you mentioned it like, you know, they don't want they're not going to want to like li or give give customers to Spotify. Right. Like the customers, the customers they do have. And since yeah. it's uh, I'm seeing it as competition now. 
It's yeah. just going to be interesting to see the way they kind of maneuver around it. Here's the other advantage that Spotify has over YouTube, and I just realized this. And here's the thing, guys. I'm I'm a fucking pattern recognition machine. I already talked about on several of these podcasts, kind of like the pattern of how TV was overshined by YouTube and how now YouTube can now be overshined by Spotify doing this. This is some big chess moves here because... YouTube is almost slave to the advertisers because the only way YouTube gets paid is when advertisers promote ads on their fucking videos. And that's why there's such a big censorship thing because some advertisers, and I don't even know if this is actually legit, I feel like this is YouTube's almost excuse to censor. Do you think they're just playing it safe? They're playing it safe. They're saying your your video is a little bit too controversial. We don't like that topic, but only because advertisers don't want their videos showing up on a video like this, right? But here's the thing. As an advertiser, I don't get, I, I personally advertise on YouTube and I think anybody who actually knows what they're fucking doing on ads, they don't give a shit what the video is about. They give a shit who's watching the video and if they will be interested in what I'm offering through my ads, right? It's yes, you can put your ads on specific videos, but a lot of times you're targeting general interests or general populaces of people. Yeah. And it follows them. Like, let's say they're interested in dating, but then they're on a different video. It still might pop up, but just because their interest is dating. Right. Exactly. And so that's why I'm saying, I don't even know if I a hundred percent believe. Yeah. YouTube, we have to demonetize this because our advertisers fuck that shit. Here's why, here's why Spotify is going to fucking turn the tides on YouTube real quick. And man, guys, I struggle to say this because my fucking business was built on YouTube. My current business is still running via YouTube, both on the advertising side and on the creator side. And honestly, guys, I never thought YouTube would ever have any competition. I was like, Facebook, temporary. Just like MySpace, temporary. Just like Zanga before MySpace, it was temporary. Just like name any fucking social media platform. I think Facebook and Instagram, I can just feel it in my bones. They don't have the sticking power that YouTube has or had before Spotify made this major chess move. And here's why. Because YouTube is slave to the advertisers, or so they claim. Just like I said, doctors are slave to the insurance companies who pay them or won't pay for the the patient's procedures and whatnot. Spotify is slave only to themselves. If you've ever listened to Spotify without a premium membership, every single advertisement that you hear is sign up for Spotify premium, sign up for Spotify premium. Spotify decides if they want to add advertise or not, and they run ads for free because it's their own platform. They are slave to nobody, and they just made this giant chess move, and the ball is about to be in fucking YouTube's court because Spotify won't have to worry about censorship issues unless they fucking go... Uh, fucking dict- dict- dictator like on this shit and decide for no reason to start pushing their own agendas too but I don't know yeah and I also want to say like because uh, I, I have the Spotify free version and it they, they, they're starting to push a lot more podcasts on it as well so like after every little break you know you hear like oh come listen to my podcast where we I talk about da 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 so that I feel like that I I don't know um, what it was like before the, the Joe Rogan deal because uh, I, I know they've been uh, gathering people, other YouTubers like Drama Alert, Keemstar, um, mm. the, uh, the Phase Banks, and all those people kind of like for their own podcast. Yeah. But I think Joe has been like their biggest player yet. Oh, yeah, for, for sure. sure. It's almost like Joe, I mean, his podcast has been around for so long and he's had such a wide variety of guests that it's almost like there is no one demographic that would only be interested in them. Guys like Drama Alert, 
they have a very specific audience, right? A lot of the, a lot of the other, there was another one, um, a couple of the guys from the David Dobrik vlog squad, I think also had their Spotify podcast video format or whatever. Um, and that's the other thing is like, is Spotify going to open it up for any podcast to join on their video platform? I think Joe's going to be the first. Honestly, I I know all the other podcasts are not video. Mm. They're just strictly like audio. Mm. But another thing that uh, I, I just realized is like, I don't know if you were aware of like the whole Keemstar kind of like drama, whatever happened mm-hmm. on. What there happened? was there was just big beef between H3, H3, okay. between Keemstar. And then ultimately uh, one of Keemstar's uh, advertisers, like someone that was supporting him, like uh, G Fuel, they dropped them. Why? Uh, because they were just getting a lot of messages like from H3, H3, H3 fans to cancel like Keemstar, you know, uh, I believe it was just, just cause Keemstar is like his, his, the way he portrays himself on YouTube is not in the greatest light, mm. but I, I just found it interesting, uh, that Spotify, they didn't, they didn't really, it, it didn't really, you know, like, uh, Keemstar was able to kind of share his thoughts on the whole situation. Mm. And it's like, YouTube wasn't, you know, like Spotify didn't drop them. They didn't stop the podcast. They kept it going. And I think that's a good sign, you know, of like, what exactly what we're talking about what are you able to say like it's not going to be as you know so sensitive yeah yeah my only fear is that it's going to make people who aren't on spotify the video platform irrelevant right if you only have a youtube podcast but you know these celebrity influencers joe rogan h3h3 you name it people with huge millions and millions of fans those are the only people allowed to put their video podcasts on Spotify, I think that could really change the game and almost make it a return to what TV was. Because like I said, I said this a couple podcasts ago, but I don't know if I said it in in the most articulate way, but TV, the cool part about it was it had a barrier to entry. And the reason why it died is because YouTube had zero barrier to entry, right? And I think now with this chess move that Spotify made, they almost put back up a barrier to entry. So it could make people who aren't on there it's almost like, oh, you have a show, but it's not on TV. Is it really even a show? You know, mm. kind of like it was in the 90s or before podcasts or YouTube. Was so that's going to be like, you think that's going to be like, if you don't have that, that's going to be the goal to get ultimately get on Spotify video. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like when you're fucking hustling in, in Hollywood and you're an extra in a lot of movies, but. <laughs> fucking foam is falling off the ceilings, bro. Bro, I think the succubus, she's still the here. The succubus is back. And which is funny because me and Chris, were, we were planning on talking about some of our paranormal experiences on this podcast as well. We can get into that. That's probably the succubus saying, let's talk about this this, this shit um, sooner rather than later. But let's kind of wrap up the Spotify yeah. conversation, man. Um, I guess my, my only fear is that um, it'll it'll make it a return back to a barrier to entry to have any significance or real influence. Um, I Maybe it's just like an extreme fear and more of a slippery slope type of situation. It probably won't be as extreme as I, as I fear it might, but it'll be interesting to see how things play out for sure. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. speaking of, I think it's a good time to transition into the shadow people. Yeah, bro. <laughs> so... Um, for the people who don't know necessarily what we're talking about, um, as we first built this studio and we were trying to test out the microphones, the lighting, the cameras and whatnot, we started filming some episodes on my raw dating advice channel. Um, uh, just kind of more of a longer format, uh, like this, a more of a podcast format, not just to experiment what it does on the dating advice side of things, but also more just to get us comfortable with using the new studio. And one of the episodes we made was talking about one of the most, 
uh, scary pickups I've ever had where I, I don't know if this girl was an actual real life succubus, but a lot of the evidence adds up to be some really freaky shit. And in that podcast, I'm not going to go over the story here cause it's already a full fucking podcast on my other channel, but I want to elaborate because at the end of the video and several people have asked me about this at the end of the video, we kind of just kind of got on a tangent about some of the paranormal stuff that's happened in our lives. And I think what sparked it is the question that you asked me at the end of that podcast, which was, um, I don't, it was like, has anything like that ever happened to you? Or, uh, it was something along those lines. And I made a comment along the lines of like, yeah, my whole life. I feel like I've just naturally been more susceptible to the paranormal because I've had some really freaky experiences that to this day I can't explain. And I know for a fact I was like in, in a normal state of mind. I mean, I was a kid, I was a teenager, I wasn't drunk, I wasn't high, I wasn't on psychedelic drugs and I wasn't dreaming by any means. Creative imagination maybe. Yeah. And what's even crazier is there's witnesses to some of these things that I've experienced. And so I said, if you guys were interested, then we would expand on the Ron Relentless podcast. When it drops, it's dropped. Here we are, episode five. So we might as well just fucking get into it, guys. So um, Chris, why don't you just kind of lead the discussion? Cause there's a lot of things that I can talk about. I want you to tell me where to start. All right. First, definitely the, sh- the, I'll share my shadow yeah. person type story. And then we can transition I would love to hear that dude. Okay. So I was, I was, I, so I grew up in the Bay area. That's where I was born. And then around eight years old, we moved out to the central Valley, Patterson, California, shout out Patterson. Uh, and, and, there we we didn't have any furniture no nothing we were just still getting set up and i remember uh we stayed there the night the first night and so we just got a bunch of blankets me and my brothers my two brothers younger and uh younger and older and we just laid up set up for the night and we just slept and then during the middle of the night uh i remember looking out there's like my door is right here and it leads into the hallway and i just remember my door being like cracked open just the slightest bit that and then I, I don't know why I woke up and I, I just look out and all I see is light kind of creeping in into the room, like bright white light. And I was like, oh, maybe my mom went out to go get a couple of like the doors opening. So it's letting no, the light it, from the hallway at first. In? At first, it was just like light from under. And then that's that's when I, I was just so, like. So the light was just getting more intense and you were seeing it shining through. Yeah, as they got closer. OK, but first it just seemed like a regular just hallway light okay so i didn't think much of it i was like okay my mom's just probably getting water there's up or something so you're in your bed the lights are off and you see the hallway light turn on but then the light starts getting more intense implying to you that the light's coming closer to the door yeah okay yeah that's that's where i thought and so then as the light gets closer i see like the door kind of start opening a little bit more and more is and it a creaky door? Does it go? No, no. It was How like, creepy would that be, bro? Dude, I, I, I was pretty like, I just didn't know what to do. I was kind of scared. I was just like, oh, shit, like what's going on? And then it, the further it opened, the more I was like, wait, that's not my mom. Because it looked like a little kid. It looked like a little kid. And I was trying to figure out, like, see, like, what? Who is that? Like, and I couldn't see a thing. It was just like black, like a shadow. It was a silhouette. A silhouette of a little kid. And I was like, well, that's weird. Was it a fat kid? No, it was just like a, like, an, it, I don't know how to describe it. It was just like, not fat, just yeah. a regular. Could you make out any features at all? Other than just a silhouette of like, oh, there's the head. Those are the arms. What about the silhouette of the hair? Did it have long hair, short hair, buzz cut, any hair at all? I don't, it was just round. That's all I saw. It was round. 
And and then normal proportions of a normal, child. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Nothing obese. Okay. I hope not. The head's not big like an alien. No. Okay. And and so and so like I I I just like after some time it just stands there in front and I just see the light like that and at first uh I thought like it was like a little angel or something mm. you know maybe just trying to give me good vibes send good vibes my way because we had just moved in you know it was like a transition in our life uh for my family and so that I just took it as that and so the next day I remember waking up and asking my mom like oh hey did you come into the room by the way she's like no no my our door was closed and so I was confused and then ever since then I've always kind of wondered like what was it because at first I thought maybe it was an angel but then after meeting you and hearing about aliens maybe I thought it was an alien and then yesterday I did research on shadow people and I th- I believe that it was a shadow person because there's three different types of shadow people. The first type is the one that you see at a glance and that's just at the corner of your eye. You move and nothing's there. The second type, which I think I saw was one of a full silhouette of a person. And it, it's believed that it could be like extraterrestrials as well. And then the third one is more like you physically or interact with that silhouette mm. so to this day i my theory is just maybe it was a an alien shadow person trying to abduct me maybe <laughs> do some experiments yeah that also kind of reminds me of one thing when we were talking about aliens and i was just showing you some of the some of the footage that nasa released or the nasa footage that really just blew my mind and kind of got me down the oh. rabbit hole and you mentioned as a kid you vaguely remember seeing this fucking spiral shaped thing not spiral but it was like a round disc and it had bright multicolors around it right can you describe yeah. that yeah it was just driving home from the bay area to the uh, to patterson and there like it's in the valley so it's like a lot of mountains uh. and stuff and all i remember seeing is like exiting san jose and I, it was above a gas station that's the thing it's like i don't know if like to this day, I feel like it was just maybe my imagination. Um, I have no clue, but I just remember looking up outside my window and then up above a gas station, I just see like this thing and it's like round and it's like just a bunch of bright lights, kind of like a disco ball, just kind of like spinning, spinning, spinning. And I'm just staring at it, looking at it, thinking everyone sees it. But like everyone around me was just normal. Even other cars, they didn't stop. They didn't do anything different. They were just going on with their day. But thinking about it, what if, I was abducted. They planted something in my head to where I could see. And everyone else around couldn't. What if, bro? What if? Or what if you had secret alien fantasies as a kid? <laughs> oh, dude, that could have been possibility. Dude, that is crazy. So did did any, did you point it out to anybody around you at the time? At the time, no. Because I thought everyone just... I thought it was just normal. I thought it was like... Because how old that. were you at this point? I was like... Mm, like 12. So at 12 years old, nothing stood out to you about this. And it wasn't even until we were talking about aliens that you remembered this memory. Yeah. Like it's always been in the back of my mind, but I've never really thought much of it. Yeah. I just always dismissed it as like, oh, just my imagination. <clears throat> yeah. Honestly, before I had gone down the rabbit hole, which honestly got sparked by me listening to Joe Rogan interview Bob Lazar, who used to, who claims he used to work at area 51 and he was hired to reverse engineer one of the flying saucers that they had in their possession. Um, that one really piqued my curiosity to look into it further. Um, but re- what really got me was seeing the actual documents and the photos on CIA's website, CIA.gov 
and seeing that these are official documents that were only released because of the Freedom of Information Act. And they even have a whole section on the website dedicated to here are all the documents we have, right? And so that's where I really started going, oh, if the government has this kind of shit and they're not really publicly talking about it, what else do they know that they haven't told us about? And so um, that's kind of how I went down it. And honestly, before I even went down that rabbit hole, I didn't even... It, it almost seemed like a weird conspiracy to me. Like almost like 9-11 was an inside job. That's a conspiracy theory. All right. Aliens to, in my head were just as, just as crazy, if not crazier. Yeah. Um, but I always believed there's a possibility. Right. And it wasn't until I looked into it that I'm like, yo, these fucking things are here and they're being kept secret from us. And I think it all kind of came to a climax when Brian showed us that fucking video where it's like, you can't explain that shit. And anybody who's actually seen the video podcast version of it, I showed the video and I just looped it for like two or three minutes straight. You can't explain it. All right. It's nothing that you've ever seen. It changes shape. It's clearly a spherical shaped thing with concentric spheres inside of it. You cannot explain that. It is not a fucking light anomaly. What is it? Right. And so I don't know. It's really interesting to hear your take on that, you know? Yeah. And I'm, uh, did you, did you like, uh, think of ghosts and spirits different from aliens or did you just kind of put that all in under the conspiracy category honestly it wasn't even like a recurring thought there was it was such a non-thing to me non-issue to me that i didn't ever compare and contrast the the experiences that i had as a kid um that i i still to this day label as a ghost or a spirit of some sort um to aliens it was never like are they both real? Is one or the other real? If one's real, does it mean the other one's not real? It wasn't even a thought. Maybe it is a thought now, but I don't think what I can go into some of those stories, but I don't think any of them were actually aliens. So, um, one, the first time that I fuck, it was all around the age of seven. So I don't know if I told this story on the, the succubus episode, but when I was in first grade and we first started learning how to read sentences, how to write sentences, things like that. Um, I remember there every day they would make us read books. We'd have to go to the fucking library, the kids library with the children's books, pick out a book and read it during reading time. And one of the books that I happened to run into in this children's library was a book about ghost stories, like scary ass fucking ghost stories. And like, even, uh, it led to me finding another book, getting it through the book orders that they let kids order books from about how to hunt ghosts and stuff. And so I think from a very young age, five or six, my interest was peaked. And I was curious about it. And there was also a show on Disney Channel around the time called So Weird, which was talking. It was like a show about this girl who experienced ghosts, aliens, spells, whatever you name it. And I, I liked the show as a kid. And even to this day, if I watch reruns of it on YouTube somewhere, um, which I have done in the past secretly, uh, recent past, um, it's still a creepy fucking show. And so I think I was just interested in it at the time. And being an only child, man. When you go to bed at night and you're in a big house, not to humble brag or anything, but like I'm on the second floor and my parents are putting me to bed in the dark at 8 p.m. and I'm a kid. Yeah, I'm going to be scared when my parents leave and I'm the only one on this fucking floor of the house and it's pitch black and I'm an only child in that house. Right. And so you're naturally just your, your brain races. And so I never saw anything in that house or anything. But uh, when I was about seven or eight years old, there was a nativity scene. Do you know what that is? No. 
So a nativity scene, I've probably, I think I've told you this story. A nativity scene is like where you reenact the birth of Jesus Oh, okay. and you do it almost like a, as a play. And so at my church that I went to, I was playing Joseph. And so I had maybe one or two lines, but it was more just a scene to where we sat there while the, the fucking congregation sung hymns or whatever the fuck they sing. And, uh, and so we are outside. It's like a winter night. Cause it's around, uh, around Christmas, around the time where Jesus was born and we're outside, it's kind of cold, and everybody has glow sticks because it's at night when we meet up to do this nativity scene. And as a seven or eight-year-old kid, I had never seen a glow stick before. I was fascinated by them. I was like, wait, there's liquid in that plastic thing, and you just like bend it, and it lights up? That's fucking insane. It blew my mind as a kid. And so they gave the kids some glow sticks after they fucking broke them and shook them up. We all go outside, and I remember I'm sitting there being Joseph, and they're acting out the fucking birth of Jesus and the whole congregation is in front of me. And so my church, we had this big yard behind it and they built a steeple, a little just like to, to reenact like the where they kept the animals in the place where the Jesus was born and the hay and whatnot. And the steeple is literally just built for show. So it's like maybe three feet long. And then so I'm in the back corner of it and everybody else is right here. But then it's only like three feet long. So like everybody else is in front of it. And so... I'm in the back corner and the whole congregation is in front of me. And I see a kid who's playing one of the shepherds on the floor and he's putting the glow stick in his mouth and he's chewing on the glow stick. We're all just fucking kids. We don't know what the fuck we're doing. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you can chew on these too? And so I put it, the, the glow stick up to my mouth and the moment it touches my mouth, I hear a whisper clear as day right behind my head. Keep in mind, I'm in this back corner. The back corner of this fucking man-made steeple, the whole congregation is in front of me. There's nobody behind me. And even if they were, how would they be there? Because I'm in the back corner of this fucking thing. I hear a voice right here in the back of my head, right behind me. It was almost like I could feel the breath on the back of my neck speaking it. And it said, there's poison in that. Just like that. It was such a whisper to where I could clearly hear every word enunciated, but I couldn't understand. I, I didn't know if it was a male or a female. All I knew what is was that I got this sense of, oh, this, whatever it is, is looking out for me. Because the moment I put the glow stick in my mouth, it literally went, oh, that kid has a glow stick in his mouth? Oh, oh I can do that too. There's poison in that. And I literally went like this. I was like, the fuck just happened? I was scared shitless, bro. I was like seven or eight years old. I couldn't explain where that voice came from. And how the fuck would I know there's poison in that? Right? It's you not know. like someone told me. This is the first time I've ever seen one. And so after this whole fucking thing ends, I go up to the pastor, Pastor Jim McKinney. Shout out. Hopefully he's still alive. He was a little bit older back in the 90s. Um, uh, but if he's not, shout out. That's my man. I fucking love Jim McKinney. In fact, when I was a kid, I told my parents I want to... I wanna, I want my name to be renamed to James or to Jim, which is like the short form of James because I like my pastor so much. So anyways, um, I told him this and he made a joke about it and he talked to my dad. My dad walked up and this is just like when everybody's like hanging out after the after church gets out or whatever. And I tell the pastor, I was like, hey, do you think God can talk to people? He goes, yeah. I said, well, I, I don't know what happened, but I heard a voice out there. Is there actually poison in these glow sticks? He goes, yeah, there's poison in that. Don't put that in your mouth. He said it just like that. And I was like, well, a voice outside told me there's poison in that the moment I put it in my mouth. And my dad walks up right here at this point. And the pastor, he goes, ha, 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 PJ. They used to call me PJ back in the day. Ha, ha, ha. Rodney, that's my dad's name. Rodney, your son, he says, uh, 
he says he heard the voice of God outside (laughs) (laughs) and they started laughing at me, bro. But I swear to God, I've, I, to this day, I can't explain that shit, but it kind of like cemented in my head, like, oh, there's something looking out for me. And so, um, around this time as well, it was just a learning phase in my life. Um, I'm going to daycare. It's when school's not in, it's the summer. My parents had day jobs. They would send me to daycare for kids. So I would have somewhere to go during the day while they were at work. And so this daycare I went to was actually in this huge mansion in Leavenworth, Kansas. Leavenworth is this first city in Kansas ever made, right? And it's also where the big penitentiary is. It's also where there was a lot of cowboy and Indian fights there. And there's a lot of like history in that town, right? So anyways, Leavenworth, Kansas has these old ass fucking mansions. Imagine like, you know, those huge estates where maybe they had a lot of slaves and whatnot back in the 1800s. Like these are those huge estate type of mansions, right? So this daycare renovated this whole fucking huge ass house into, you know, daycare, you know, you got the kids upstairs, you got the kids in on the downstairs in the main level, you got the offices in these rooms, whatnot. And so on Friday nights, they would have this thing where it was called uh, Friday night lock-in. And maybe some of the listeners here have been to those lock-ins before where you stay the night in the building and they kind of just do fun activities. Well, because this building was so old, it had a history and just kind of like a, a legend of being haunted. And there was this always this legend that even the counselors would tell us, hey, this place is really haunted because back in the 1800s, um, it was turned into a hotel, this place. And one night in the hotel, everybody got brutally murdered. And one of the guys who got murdered, and I remember this stood out to me because I just imagined this guy looking like Davy Crockett wearing like the raccoon hat. And and so they said one of the guys who got murdered, he was a hunter. He was in town hunting. And um, the whoever killed them all, they chopped up the hunter's body into pieces and threw him out in the backyard. So this is what they told you. How old were you at this point? Seven, six. I was going there probably from five, six, seven. I went there until I was 12 because at 12, they say you're you're too old to be in this daycare at this point. But, um, I was seven when I went to my first lock-in because you had to be seven years old to, to attend one there. I think they even watched preschool age kids at that daycare too. Mm. And so, um, I finally turned seven. This is also similar around the time. I have three stories today this is around the time that the, the other shit happened with the nativity scene around the same age. Um, and I'm scared shitless cause I know at the Friday night lock-ins, they also do ghost hunts. And what they do is just set up by the counselors because they know it's got a history of being haunted and they dress up in like werewolf masks and they put sheets on them and they go upstairs and hide. And then the kids got to go look for them. It's like a massive game of of hide and seek in the dark with flashlights and whatnot. Mm. And so a lot of kids really look forward to this, even especially like the preteens, like the older kids. And so my first lock in, I've never attended these ghost hunts, but all the kids talk about them every day. And I was looking forward to it. Well, on this particular Friday night, we're watching the old school show Goosebumps and Goosebumps, great TV show, but it's also kind of like scary stories for kids and they're not super, super creepy. But mm-hmm. on this particular night, there was a massive storm, thunderstorm going on in Kansas that night. And I remember you hear thunder, you hear the pouring rain, hardest pouring rain I've ever heard. It's like beating the side of this fucking house with this rain, right? There might've even been hail, right? We're right in tornado, tornado alley, so it's not... It's not completely unique to have thunderstorms like that during the summer in Kansas. And so um, I remember lightning struck and it was the loudest lightning that I'd ever heard at the point because I think it struck like really close to the house where we were at this big ass fucking thing. And in the middle of the goosebumps episode, it couldn't have been written perfectly. You can't make this shit up. It couldn't be, it couldn't have been written more perfectly. 
Lightning Strikes, the old school VHS that's playing the VHS or the, the Goosebumps episode goes to white noise. It goes and the TV with the 30 kids in the room who are all into the episode and it's like 7 p.m. We're all like, whoa, what? Let's re- <laughs> what happened to the show? Because it's like right getting good. I remember it. And uh, I just have this vivid memory of like Miss Joan, who was like the lead counselor. She pulls the VHS out of the V the, uh, out of the the player or whatever, the tape out of the player. And she's just fucking pulling fucking the co- the tape out of the VHS tape because it's all tangled up. You ever seen those old school VHS yeah. tapes? Is she's just like pulling it out of the VSR, v- VCR, and she's like, ah, fuck. I remember she was frustrated, and she says it like this. She goes, "Whatever, guys, just go go and start the ghost hunt. We can't watch this episode. I think the tape's broken." And so all the kids go, "Yay!" And they all scurry upstairs where the counselors were already waiting for them, right? And so. I'm afraid to go upstairs. And so I remember all the kids were already upstairs. I'm the last one down there. And Mrs. Joan is still fucking pulling just VHS tape, the tape out of the fucking tape. Right. Am I saying that right? Am I using the right term? VHS, VHS, VCR, and then the tape inside the VHS tape. Right. And she's frustrated. And so imagine we're in a big living room, big living room. And then there's like two glass doors that kind of open up, but they're glass. So you can open it and they go into like the entryway where the stairway goes upstairs. Mm. Okay. And so I walk over to glass door and the stairs go up, turn, and then go up one more. All right. So I'm standing in the doorway and because of the positioning of everything, because I'm in the doorway, if I lean this way, I'm looking into the big room where the tape is being worked on by Miss Joan. And then I lean this way and I can see up the first flight of stairs. And so I'm so even afraid to go into the entry way to, way to go up the stairs. That's how young I am. And I'm the only kid down there. And so I look up the stairs and right when I look up the stairs, I see a person that was clearly not a real person, but it was a a silhouette of a person that was like foggy white. It was almost translucent, but it was definitely like what you would think a ghost would look like, like kind of white gray, but you can see. So there was like mist, mist around him or it wasn't mist. It was like, if I just kind of like Photoshopped you and made you gray and somewhat see-through. Oh, but, but you could like tell, like look at his, see his eyes. I could see his eyes because he t- it was like it was almost like he was walking down the stairs and what he did i'm getting goosebumps right now talking about it so i leaned i was standing in the doorway i leaned and i looked up the stairs and i looked straight up 7 year old kid he turns the store stairway cuz remember it goes up turn up again he's on the middle part where it turns and he turns and he stands at the top of the stairs and squares his feet up towards me and looks straight down at me and holds eye contact with me so you you could you could feel his like just stare looking at you. He was, we had an interaction. He looked at me and I looked at him and we both knew we were looking at each other in the eyes and he was translucent. Here's this crazy part. He looked like a fucking old school hunter, kind of like a Davy Crockett. I specifically remember he did have a raccoon hat. Were you scared at this moment? I was scared shitless. All right. So I'm looking at him and I'm frozen in fear. I'm like, this can't be real. This can't be real. And because of, remember, the positioning, I just lean over. Miss Joan, Miss Joan, there's a ghost upstairs. Obviously, she sent everybody upstairs for the ghost hunt. She goes, yeah, I know, whatever. I lean back and I look up. Gone. Nothing there. Damn. And there there weren't people like just... uh 
playing the hunter role? If there was, I've never seen this person. And I went to that daycare every day and every counselor there was a female. So there were no male counselors. This was a male apparition. Okay. So it was called the women's community. Y. you can look it up. It's in downtown Leavenworth, right? Women's community. Y. I don't know why they called it the women's community. Y. probably because everybody who worked there and was employed by them was a female. Okay. But all the kids were going there. Right. So yeah, if it was someone who was there, it's not, it wasn't a kid because he was definitely, I would say this person was being a seven-year-old kid, remembering the memory, I would guess young 20s, late teens. So definitely had no, if since they weren't a counselor, had no reason to be there. No reason to be there. It wasn't a counselor. It wasn't a kid because he was too old. And it was a man who was dressed in 1800, 1800s hunter clothes. And it was kind of clear, but clear enough to where I can make out every fucking feature, but kind of white and translucent. And even in my memory right now, I get goosebumps thinking about him holding eye contact with me. He, it wasn't like he, it wasn't like he turned the corner and then looked up and held eye contact with me. It was like he was holding eye contact with me as he walked and then squared up to me and then looked at me. Holy fuck. Did you tell your, like your dad or mom about this or? They didn't even believe that I heard a voice at church, bro. <laughs> like, um, I, I told Miss Joan and I told my friends, but other than that, not really. I don't even think I've told my parents this. My parents and I were didn't have a whole lot of open communication growing up. And I think, honestly, that's probably what led to me being pretty in- innocent sexually um, all the way through college is because I didn't have that the type of relationship with my parents where I could open up about little things like that. You know, my parents were a little bit older parents when they had me. Um, I was my dad's third child. Uh and my brother and sister, which are my half brother and sister, because they were from a previous marriage, they were like, they were almost graduating high school by the time I was born. So I, my dad oh, was older when he had me. And so it's like, I had a better, I had a more open communicative relationship with my father than I do with my mother to this day. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I, maybe I mentioned it to my dad, um, but I don't think so. I, I think I remember the next day my dad picked me up and we went looking for a hot tub because at the time he was thinking about buying a hot tub or a pool for a backyard. I don't think he ever bought one, but um, I just remember that's what we did the next day. So for me, I mean, I'm just a kid. It's almost like you don't know that this is so out of the ordinary because I'm only seven years old. So I don't know it's such a significant moment in my life that I'm going to remember it for the rest of my life and I should probably tell a lot of people about it Um, because first time I've talked about it even publicly like this, is right now, and I'm 30 years old, you know? Yeah, and this is the first time I've heard of the story, so this is... Really? Fucking, yeah, you've never mentioned it before, so this is fucking crazy. And, yeah. And then one was like, uh, tell them about the... When you, you and a group of friends went out biking and saw the forest. In, okay, the forest. <laughs> so in my neighborhood, I grew up... When my dad... When I was born, and I turned one... Um, when I was born, my dad lived in like this really shitty duplex. He owned the whole duplex. So like he owned the units in that. So he just lived in, in the biggest unit or whatever. But it, it, I mean, it's a, it's a duplex in Leavenworth, Kansas. You know what I'm saying? So, um, we lived there for the first year of my life, but then my dad, he's, he's, he had some money. He, he passed away by now, unfortunately. Um, he passed away when I was 21, but he's always had money, uh, multiple time, multiple tours, in Vietnam, the Vietnam War as a helicopter pilot, uh, very successful in, in business as well. He was a higher up for Honeywell. He was like the manager uh, for selling helicopter parts at Honeywell, which is like this huge fucking engineering firm. Um, and so 
yeah, he's got, a, he had money is the moral of the story, right? Um, so he built this house in this area where they were thinking about developing this big neighborhood. And so when we built the house, that's the house that I grew up in. And he, and, um, but at the time it was just like one house in the middle of the country. Now it's a house in the middle of this huge fucking neighborhood. Cause 29 years later, it, they actually did turn it into like the biggest neighborhood in that town. Right. So, um, but anyways, to this day, there's one road in that neighborhood where there's no streetlights and no houses, but everybody's mailbox is on this street. So it's a dark fucking street surrounded by eerie fucking woods. And everybody has to go there for their mailbox to get their mailbox. Right. Most people are checking their mail during the day to this day. I, I'm afraid to even go down that road at night because there's no streetlights and it's just woods. It scares the fuck out of me. Right. And I think I was probably nine, 10 years old at this point. And during the winter when it would snow, it was kind of, it's kind of like the road. And I think this is the reason they never built onto it. Cause there's a road mailbox on the side of the road. But after that, there's like a 20 foot hill drop off into the woods. And so because it's probably on an elevation is why they didn't ex- build anything right there. Um, probably makes sense why they couldn't even put a street light on that, on that street. And it's probably about the length of one and a half football fields. So, so it's a sizable length. Um, so anyways, my buddy, Bobby, who I definitely want to have on the podcast one day. Uh, he, he tells us, and he's the kind of kid who, um, even his parents said, Bobby's a pathological liar. And they told, told everybody this at like eight, nine years old. So we all knew Bobby would say crazy shit sometimes. Yeah. And he said he went sledding when last time there was snow, uh, there cause we would go sledding on the, on that hill during the day. And he said, while he was sledding up there, he saw in the Creek, uh, a woman laying there under the ice. And I said, bullshit. I called him, I called bullshit on him. And he goes, yeah, dude, I'm serious. I saw something up there when I was sledding and I was by myself. It was like when the snow was here last week, cause Kansas is like a bi- bipolar weather, even during the winter, it'll snow one week. And then the next week it'll be fifties and all the snow will melt, you know? And so, uh, by this point, the snow had all melted and it was warm enough for us to go outside. Um, and, he, and I just didn't believe him. So I was like, all right, you know what? Take us up there and show us. I mean, it's in our neighborhood. And so we go up to that street and broad daylight. We come up to the mailboxes where the mailboxes are. And the mailboxes are right next to the sledding spot that goes down. And we see all three of us. There's me, my buddy, Derek, and then Bobby. And, uh, <laughs> and so we see this lady and she's like wearing a white blouse and the best way I can describe it is kind of like almost like a white blouse from the 1800s area era. And she was already there when you got there. She was there and she was walking around and her hair was frizzy everywhere. Like it was covered in dirt and she hasn't washed it in weeks and it was everywhere. It was sticking up in random directions and she was wearing this white blouse with brown pants, right? It almost looked like she was straight out of the fucking 1800s, bro. But this is not a ghost. It's not an apparition. It's a fucking person walking around down there. And what we notice is she's poking this big ass stick in the ground, right? Just digging up a fucking hole with this giant ass fucking stick, all right? Not even a shovel, a stick. And she's dirty, but her her blouse was like white. I think it kind of had some like dirt on it. It was at a distance. She was probably about 50 yards away from us. And we're watching this from the street because as soon as we see her, we go... Oh, could this be the lady that he was talking about? We didn't know. 
So we're actually hiding behind the mailboxes watching this happen. And we watched her for probably 10 minutes and the stick, uh, the, the hole eventually gets pretty fucking big and she reaches down into the fucking hole and it's a giant ass fucking hole. She reaches into the hole and she pulls out a little boy who's about half her size comes up to just above her waist. This boy's probably, he was younger than me at the time. So he's probably like five or six years old and he's wearing a white blouse with brown pants, almost the exact same outfit comes out of the hole and the boy wasn't unconscious. The boy got out of the hole. Like it was no big deal. He climbed out of the hole with the woman's help stands up, brushes himself off like this. And we see dust dirt coming off of him. And then they pause after he brushes himself off and immediately both of them turn their heads and look right up at us at the mailboxes. It was almost like they knew we were there and they both turned simultaneously instantly, you know, and just were staring right at us. And we both, all three of us screamed fucking bloody murder and ran back home. Our home was maybe like, honestly, maybe, I don't know, 500 meters away. It wasn't that far away. Maybe like one lap around a, a, yeah. a track or something. Um, so we ran fucking home and I, I still to this day don't know what it was, but at the time I told my parents about it and, and I, we were convinced it was a vampire. It was like, cause I, I around this time, this is in the nineties. So I think interview with a vampire, that's a movie with like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise, um, and the girl from Jumanji, I believe they wore similar outfits mm. and also like. Who else is like undead like that? So it's like a Victorian area kind of uh, style. Right. So you've seen the interview with a vampire. No, but I, I just. Yeah. It's, know, like, it was the same type of outfits, like the same type of white blouse yeah. that they might be wearing. And I, at the time we called it a vampire to this day. I still kind of call it a vampire just for the sake of the, the story. But I have no idea. I wrote about this. Um, and here's the thing. All through high school, all through middle school and even into college, Anytime I had to write a paper about creative writing or tell a story of something that would happen in my life, I always told this story. I always wrote about this story. The details have never changed. And it's because I've documented the story from age fucking 11, 12, 15, 17. And then the last time was I was 18, 19 years old and I was in college. And when I was in college, because I didn't want to seem crazy because we it was speech class and we had to read our fucking story or give mm. the speech about it in front of the whole class. I kind of brought it full circle at the end of the story, which is, you know, I was a kid. I didn't really know much. And for all I know, it could have been a mother and her child burying their, a dog that died or something. But I don't actually believe that because I watched this woman dig the hole. The hole was not big for the kid to be in there by the, when we first started watching her, the hole got bigger and she pulled the kid out of the hole and the kid, kid got out of the hole and stood up like it was no big deal. He was under dirt though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that like, see stories like your stories. You're the first person that I've heard, like have like actual, what it seems like, you know, paranormal encounters. And it just makes me want to like go out to a haunted house and experience something. Cause I feel like, I don't know. I I'm still on the edge of whether or not I believe like in ghosts. But a part of me wants to believe yeah. and just wants to experience. <clears throat> well, like I said, maybe I was susceptible to it because I was from a young age. I picked up that book randomly in that library, but I, I can't explain those things. I know it wasn't a dream, especially to this day. If I hit up Bobby, in fact, when I get him on the podcast, eventually I'm going to ask him about him to rec recollect this story. Um, hopefully he remembers it. Hopefully he's willing to talk about it because 
even through high school, I would be like, Hey, you guys still remember that, right? Like, this is not a memory that only I remember. Right. Um, and to this day, we all had the same details about the story. And so who the fuck knows what that last one was. I can't even say it was a ghost. It wasn't a ghost. It was something though. Yeah. You know? Um, and honestly, that was like most of the experiences I had in my childhood. I didn't really have a whole lot of other ones that really, um, stood out to me that I can remember right now. Um, except for, uh, once in high school, actually both of them in high school, that Lake of the Ozark story I kind of told in the podcast Yeah, with the succubus going back to the shadow people, uh, story that you told. Um, and I'll briefly retell the story here, but these two ones that happened in high school, that was honestly the last time I'd ever, I've seen anything paranormal. If I'm being honest, I, I haven't had a whole lot of crazy shit happen to me in adulthood. Um, as far as like weird experiences that I can't explain like that. Yeah. Um, so the shadow person one, Bobby, again, is the same story. So by this point, my dad had, I might've been a fucking freshman in college actually when this happened. Um, my dad had bought a house at the Lake of the Ozarks. Yes. Just like the show Ozark on Netflix, same lake. And my dad, like I said, he had a little bit of money. So he bought like a pretty decent fucking sized house right on the lake. We had our own dock. We had two boats. We had three jet skis and we could swim off our own dock and everything. Right. And when we went there and we were house shopping, um, I remember thinking everybody in my family, my stepmother, my step siblings, and my dad are so amped up about this house. I just, I was like, this is how all horror movies start. I kind of felt it. And when we went down into the basement, I was like, oh, these are cool rooms. These are cool rooms. And I think ever since I was a kid, because of those experiences that I kind of went through as a, that I told you about already in this podcast, I've always kind of been able to, when I walk into a room, if there's a negative kind of energy in the room, I'll immediately feel it. And I'll immediately kind of feel nauseous in my stomach. Like, I don't want to be here. This is not a good room for me to be in. Telling me to kind of get out. Telling me to get out and telling me yeah. that there's probably something negative in this room. Right. And I don't know what it was. It's always been a gut feeling. I've always felt like a sixth sense. Almost like that. But it's it's just it only I only experience this sense when I walk into weird rooms and it's like mm. specific rooms. And it's almost like the moment I leave that room, I the feeling's gone. Um, so in this house, I started to be like, man, my family is almost too excited about this house which makes me not as excited about it because they're so excited. Something fishy's going on. And I started getting a little skeptical. And we go into the to the the, the bedroom at the end of the hallway, and they're like, yeah, this will be one of your guys' bedrooms, talking to me and my step-siblings. And I'm like, I don't like this room. I feel bad in this room. That room over there is the only room down here that I actually legitimately feel safe in. And if we move into this house, what all I ask is that you don't make me make that my bedroom. And they said, okay, whatever. We move into the house maybe a couple months later and they assign bedrooms. Didn't even give it, allow the fucking, the, the, the siblings, the kids. No democracy. No democracy, bro. <laughs> it was just like, you're going here, you're going here, you're going here. And they fucking put me in the one room that I asked to not be in, which is the room at the end of the hallway downstairs. And so from day one, I didn't want to be in there. And even th th my stepmother, you know, just like a horror, fucking horror movie, my stepmother was like, It'll be all right. You know, um, we'll let you here. Here's a magazine. Pick out whatever decorations you want for your room. Hey, you want, you like basketball? We can get these, like these lockers for storage. It looks like a fucking locker in a locker room and we can make it basketball themed. I'm like, cool. So they fucking order all this fucking shit to make up the room. And I'm like, I'm in high school and, and college. 
cut. This is over the course of years. So this is when we first move into the high school or into the house. I'm like 15, 16 years old. By the time this story comes full circle towards the end, that will be when I'm like a, a freshman in college because I started seeing from the week we moved into that house, like you, what you said, two of the three types of shadow people that you talked about. The first one was broad daylight. So since this house is built on a hill going down into the lake. to the lake, it's on a hill, meaning a lot of these windows are 20, 30 feet off the ground. You know, oh, shit. You know, the house has like fucking beams to support it and hold it level. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, um, and even like the walkway on the side of the house, if you are looking out the window on the main level, even the walkway is like 10 feet below that window. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, just during broad daylight, I would see the, like in the corner of my eye, like as I'm turning my head real quickly, I would see a shadow figure with a wide brimmed hat. Like a, like a Jeepers Creepers type yeah. of thing um, from the movie Jeepers Creepers, if you know that creature from there. He had this wide-brimmed hat, same hat, all right? And you can see the silhouette. It's the shadow. It's the just a dark figure with that fucking hat on. Walks past the window, and you see it just, just enough to where you can make out the shape, but it's so quick that you can't really process, wait, was that a real person or was it just in my head? You know what I'm saying? Because it's like as you're turning your head and you kind of see the window out of the corner of your eye. And I would see that kind of on a regular basis for like the first month that we moved into the house. Um, but then in the bedroom where I don't feel safe, um, every night there was a bed, there was, they put a TV in the room. Cause I, I like to sleep with a nightlight. Um, even to this day, if I'm by myself, I'll put a little light on just cause you know, my kid, my experiences as a kid, I'm a little freaked out by the dark sometimes. Um, so in this room, particularly I made sure to always have the TV on when I was going to bed, but when I did turn off the TV, if the TV was keeping me awake or if the lights were just flickering and I didn't like the lights flickering in my eyes, I would turn off the TV. And from day one of me sleeping in that bedroom, every time I turned off all the lights at night, even if it was during the day, if I turned off all the lights in the room, I could see a silhouette of that man who I would see cross the windows, walk past him. It would be the silhouette of him fully facing the window and just standing there, almost like he was just staring into the room looking at me and it was the silhouette of a man wearing like a long trench coat. So you couldn't see his um, other than like the shape of his body and his arms, but you'd see the arms, the long trench coat, the wide brimmed hat shadow. And so the reason why this comes full circle just years later is because I had had crazy experiences as a kid. I am not, not open to the idea that it could be something supernatural or paranormal and the simple fact that I had a negative feeling about that room just tells me, you know what? Let's investigate this before we talk about it. So for literally like two or two and a half years, like I didn't live there full time because I still went to school in Kansas and the Lake of the Ozarks is in Missouri. And so I would just travel there like every other weekend to see my dad. Oh. And so um, when I would sleep there, even during the day, I'd be down on our dock and I'd be studying the trees. And so my room, the, the fucking room at the end of the hallway it's about 20, 30 feet off the ground. And there's a lot of trees at the Lake of the Ozarks. So it's all woods unless they clear the woods to create a lot for a home, right? So we just got trees everywhere and they're tall as fuck, right? And there's trees outside my window that blow. And so then I'd go back in the room during the day and I'd try to see, all right, is that the tree that I saw when I was outside? And I would try to study the fucking shadow patterns that the those trees might cast onto the fucking bedroom window at yeah. night. And... I could, what, a, what, a, the conclusion I came to was it couldn't be a tree 
because when I would look at it at night and I would even study the shadow at night and it's almost like on one side of it, if it really was a, a spirit or an apparition of some sort, why did it never move? Why was it always there for me to study whenever I turned off the lights? But here's what really creeped me out. It was the clear shadow of a man. It wasn't like a tree that I could be interpreted. And here's how I know. Because the trees kind of move in the wind. The leaves kind of just shake a little bit in the wind. The shadow never wavered. But you could see the branches wavering behind it. Would the shadow ever like just vary on the size depending on like... No, it was the always is? the same size. It was about like... It, it, the best way I could describe it, it was a, it was a giant ass fucking man. It probably took up the entire shape of the window. So he wasn't wider than a normal man, but it was almost like a seven foot tall man standing there with a wide brim hat. Oh, legit like Jeepers Creepers. Um, but because it never moved and it was always the same stance, I, I, I almost became desensitized to it enough to where I could study it when I did see it. And every day for a couple of years, I always saw the shadow and I would even turn it off just to confirm my experiment. All right. When I turn off the lights, do I see it? When I turn on the TV, is it there? When I turn on the TV, you can still see the branches, but there's no there's no man. You turn off the TV, you turn off the light in the room, now there's branches and there's a man. You know, it's it's one of those deals, right? And so I'm a freshman in college by this point. My buddy Bobby's at the lake and we're swimming outside on the dock. And I go upstairs to like grab a soda or something. Um, I don't know, get some food, whatever. I went upstairs into the house to grab something. And I was like, you know what? Maybe today's the day that I try to see if I can point it out. Because even when people would come into the room, into my bedroom, I would never point it out because I always subconsciously had the belief that if I told someone about it, it would try to fuck with me and disappear. And I think maybe that was probably sparked by the fact that when I told my pastor about the shit that happened to me that I couldn't explain, they laughed it off. So I didn't want that same kind of thing. And I figured maybe, maybe... For whatever reason, if I t try to tell someone, it's going to fuck with me and try to make me look crazy by disappearing. And I just felt it. I could just feel that. And so I that's kind of why I never told anybody about it, even when they came into the room with me. So now I'm 19. I finally was like, you know what? Today will be the day I tell Bobby. And we'll, we'll just, because he saw the fucking lady all those years back. You know, he's seen some crazy shit that we can't explain. Maybe he'll be open to it too. And so it's broad daylight. I go into the room at the end of the hallway and I turn off all the lights and I'm like, is it dark enough? Yeah, I can actually see it. It's broad daylight and I can still see it because the shadows of the trees are blocking out enough light to where it's dark in the room, you know? And so um, I go down on the dock and I say, Bobby, I'm going to tell you something. It's going to sound crazy. He goes, all right, what is it? <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, and here's the thing. I'm pretty sure when I tell it to you and I try to show it to you, it's not going to be there anymore. But I want to tell it to you and we're going to just see. But you got to trust me on this one. I couldn't make this up even if I tried. So I recollected the story. I told him about the shadow person seeing the fucking silhouette walking by the windows. I told him about the fucking silhouette. Every time the light goes off, in the all the lights are off in the room. And it's not the trees because I've studied the trees for the last couple of years. It's not the fucking trees. And, um, and it's the same wide brim hat that I saw in other windows passing by, you know. And so long story short. He goes, okay, let me see it. We walk upstairs. I turn off the lights in the room. And I look at the window. The silhouette's not there. The only thing I see is the fucking branches of the trees just kind of subtly moving. 
And all the shadows look exactly the same of the trees. Minus the fucking silhouette of the man. And from that day forward, I never saw that silhouette ever again. That's fucking crazy. And, you know, I, I'm kind of like, I, you know what video kind of trips me out, like matching the shadow people to kind of aliens? Is the video where those, like, round type of shadowy uh, spaceships are in the sun that's pool- that looks like they're pooling energy? Yeah. What if it was just aliens that learned how to, like, u- utilize that energy to kind of go, go, like, you know, shadow mode? What are you talking about? Uh, like, you know, do you remember the... The you know the video I'm talking about with the aliens like there's the sun and yeah like on the outer code I'll try to find it and put it on this podcast yeah and I, I'm just thinking what if like those shadow people they're actually aliens and it's just like a different type of alien yeah you know what this conversation reminds me of what if anybody who joined this conversation right now and didn't hear the context of it they would think we're fucking insane oh this reminds me of the fucking conversation I had with Clark off camera. Off podcast, a couple weeks ago when he first moved to Arizona, he's telling me about reptilians and aliens and Anunnaki, and I'm like, bro, if someone walks by right now and they hear you talking about reptilians, they're going to think we're (laughs) fucking crazy. But you know what's crazy is the further down the rabbit hole you go, it's almost like the things get so insane to where it's like, okay, is is this insanity or is this based in fact, right? It's almost like a lot of these alien conspiracies, we start with evidence that we can't deny and we can't explain or an experience that someone can't explain and then we try to draw as many conclusions from it as possible and we try to take those conclusions down to the fucking root of them but at the end of the day if your if your line of thinking if your logic is a little bit flawed then you can go down some pretty crazy rabbit holes and pretty crazy explanations and it's a slippery slope to now you're talking about on this race called the anunnaki that's competing against reptilians, um, you know, manipulating DNA of humans and and using us to mine gold out of the earth because gold is like you get into fucking crazy theories like that. That's where I kind of start going. I don't know if I can believe that. But, you know, the fucking video where I'll show it where the the big sphere that they say and this is this is NASA video, which is even crazier because this is out of a NASA camera that was live streaming images of the sun. Okay. And they saw this in post, right? Um, this fucking sphere that's black, almost like, so is that what you're saying? It's like a yeah, shadow? Yeah. I don't know if I necessarily believe in that connection because just knowing the way cameras and lighting work, if this is a fucking sphere shaped craft and it's the size of the earth because it's, you can see it relative to this picture of the sun, the sun can fit a million Earths inside of it, right? But they say this thing was the size of the Earth. It's an Earth-sized craft, and it's spherical, and it's literally drawing plasma out of the sun, and you can see it, and it's a black sphere. And what's crazier about that is you see the the sphere kind of do a little zip away. It, and it's not just like it disappears. It goes left, right, and zips off. It's almost like it's coming towards the camera and going off that way, right? And when it zips off, you see the plasma beam that it was pulling out of the sun, like break off and just do this whole fucking disruption, like explosion thing. Cause it kind of just broke off the connection. That shit freaks me out. I don't necessarily know if that was aliens or like the, the shadow people are yeah. aliens, you know? Yeah. And that just, you, you know, what's trippy as well. I wonder if we could like confirm alien life at a biological level. What I mean by that is like, in a bigger sense, like looking at like the cells, right, and all that, couldn't you? Isn't it the same thing at a bigger scale? Like at one point, at what point are we like just like the the neutrons or 
mm, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Are, are you catching like the drift of where I'm going? I mean, there's a lot of people who say, so Ryan O'Donnell, who I, uh, is best friends with Caleb. He was sitting here off camera during Caleb's podcast. I, I told a story about how he came into Dean's office one day when we were work, working on the marketing team there. And he was like, yo, I had a realization last night. And here's the thing, Ryan at the point is like at this point in time during this story is like 17 years old. He's a teenager and I'm pretty sure he has massive ADHD, which is why his mind goes everywhere, but he doesn't ever take Adderall and he never takes, uh, he doesn't, I don't even think he drinks a lot of caffeine and he definitely doesn't smoke weed. Okay. And he came in one day and he was like, Hey, I just realized last, last night, what if the universe is fractal? And I didn't even like, through all my fucking, even though I had a biology degree, I didn't even know what the fucking word fractal meant. So I had to look it up. Do you know what fractal is? It's like the the diamond. It kind of breaks when you break a mirror, right? It kind of creates that fractal pattern. No. Fractal is like, it's like a pattern. And the further in you go, you realize that it's like the same thing. And it can just go on for an eternity. Oh. And it's almost like, you, if you think about our universe, what if our universe is just one of of the electrons spinning around this fucking nuclei or whatever. Right. It's almost like everything that we're experiencing on this minute level. If you blow it out and you go and look at the whole universe as a whole, what if it's just like a little speck, like what you said, and it's fractal and it's just one speck in an even bigger universe and in an even bigger room with bigger specs, you know? And so, um, I think that's an interesting idea. Kind of what you were saying, like, what if we are, really just like part of an electron. It's almost like that fucking movie uh, who's Mr. The Grinch or whatever with Jim Carrey. Um, Keep in mind that whole city where the Grinch is stealing Christmas is happening on a snowflake. That's this like microscopic. And so it almost makes you wonder, is the universe really fractal? Are there life forms that are either, either so massive or so small, but also intelligent that we can't even but we can't even comprehend it because they're on a, such a different magnitude of size than we are. You know, who the fuck knows? Bro, I don't know, but my head is starting to hurt yeah. <laughs> just thinking about it. Yeah. Do you have any other uh, paranormal experiences of yours? Not mine personally, but I've always enjoyed because uh, my mom growing up, she would always tell me stories. Yeah. And like her, her uncle was a priest mm. and they lived in Mexico. And so they're like at night. They live in the desert. There's like no type of street light, no nothing. And this is there's this one story in particular where he was walking home, right, in the middle of the desert. I don't know. I've never been there, but like when all of a sudden he starts hearing like a little kid cry. And it's like it sounds like a little baby. So he's like, Okay, weird. Like and so he starts going towards the the crying sound. And as he gets closer, this the crying starts to get louder. And then that's when he notices something on the floor. And it looks it's just like a little baby in a towel. And so he just decides to pick it up and like the baby, he was just trying to calm it down. And so he was just starting to walk back and he just continued on his route trying to figure it out. And as he starts walking more and more, the baby just, he just starts to feel, feel heavier and the baby just louder and louder. And he just feels this deep, deep, like just weight on him. Like he just can't move. And he looks down on the baby and it's not the baby at all. It's like a, a face, like a demon face. Just looking at him. And so at that moment, he just kind of dropped, lets go, and he gets on the floor and prays. And then, like, it's, I don't know how long after, but it's, like, just disappears. And so that that is just, like, 
crazy stories like that. I think that's why I've always been interested in the paranormal. Mm. Just because growing up, I've always, my mom's always told me stories of her experiences. Like, I still think um, to this day, she does have like that sixth sense. Because I remember her saying like, one time the family, uh, she stayed home and the family, my dad and my brothers, we all went to San Francisco. And then that very day she stayed home and she was sleeping when she felt someone tug at the blanket. She was just at home with the dog and then she just felt something like tug the blanket. And then um, during that time, one of her uncles in Mexico was sick. And so in that in that moment, she just instantly knew like, oh, that was him saying goodbye. And then the day later, they called her saying like, oh, yeah, like your uncle passed away. Damn. And so that that's why I'm always like I'm saying like this just like. I don't know. Like I, I personally am on like the, the fence of yeah. how much is real and like, what don't I know? <clears throat> yeah. Cause that's always the question. Like, what don't I know? Yeah, dude. Um, that remind that baby story reminds me of, um, <clears throat> an interesting story that my roommate, uh, told me when I was living in Scottsdale. Um, he was really, he's how also had some creepy things happen to him, but he told me a story that, that involves like a baby that might've been a ghost. Um, as well. Cause he said when he was in college and when he's telling me this story, he's a 35 year old man and he's my roommate. And the only reason we know each other is cause we're both into picking up chicks. And, um, and so that's why we kind of became roommates in old town Scottsdale because that's, I, I consider the Mecca of just like picking the, up girls. The spot. It's the spot. It's better than Vegas. It's better than LA, um, for many different reasons. But anyways, uh, he's telling me a story about when he's in college, he stayed in a frat house. So it's a frat house with a lot of guys living there, but it's always kind of that everybody always kind of theorized that it was haunted. Um, and, uh, and which also kind of, I, I can tell this story too. I, I also was in a frat house that was massively haunted for one semester in college. It was my second semester of my freshman year. Um, I'll tell that story after this one, but, uh, my buddy, he says, so normally there's a lot of people in the house, but one night, maybe it's like Christmas break or something like that. Um, Christmas break, most of the people are gone and the only two people are who are sleeping in the house that night are him and the person who's also staying in his room with him. Right. Cause you know, frat house, some people share rooms and whatnot. So anyways, this night they're going to bed, it's dark and they both immediately wake up in the middle of the night. And my roommate says at the time, he didn't even know his roommate was awake uh, because it was so freaky to him that he was frozen in fear and this went on for hours. But essentially what happened was, um, he woke up cause he could hear a baby crying in the distance. What the fuck? Like hysterically crying, like wah, 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 wah. hysterically crying in the distance, bro. And he said he was so freaked out by it. Cause why would there be a baby in that fucking frat house? Okay. He was so freaked out by it and it was already kind of theorized that the house might be haunted. He said he put the covers over his head and he just tried to lay there. He, he didn't want to get up. He was too fucking afraid because it was in his room, you know? And so as soon as he put the blanket over his head, he said the, the baby crying got so close to him that it was right outside of his blanket and it was crying in his ear. Wah, wah, wah. And then eventually it would go across the room and it would go, wah. And, but it was in the same room, but you could yeah. hear that it went across the room and for hours it would go back and forth between his roommate and him crying right into their ear. And my roommate was frozen in fear, wide awake for hours while this went on with the blanket over his head. He was too afraid to even look. Okay. I can't even imagine how afraid I would be if this was happening to me, bro. 
And so he doesn't look. Eventually, it stops. Wake us, wakes up the next morning. Immediately, him and his roommate start talking about it. And his roommate also heard the fucking baby crying, was also scared fucking shitless all night, and neither of them could explain it. They both go home for their Christmas break. That Christmas break, the whole frat house burns to a crisp. It goes up in flames. What the? They have no idea why it started. They don't think it was started uh, by an arsonist. They actually came to the conclusion it was an electrical fire that started in the attic. The whole house just burnt down. It was leveled. What the fuck? I, dude, I just you making that's gonna be a good clip to start off with. You just making the baby noises. <laughs> <laughs> that's creepy. The only that time is. I've ever heard uh, something crazy like that, uh, I was in, I was like 16, 15, 16. I was at my buddy James's house and I was in high school and he, his mom, he grew up in the house that his mom grew up in, which is the same house that his, her parents grew up in. Mm-hmm. Her parents died in that house. And the people before that apparently were also Indians who also their, their whole family died in the house just of old age and natural causes, not of anything crazy like that. So more of the story is it's an old house. It's got a lot of history and people have died there before. And they were telling me, this is my first time visiting my buddy James's house. I'm 15 years old, right? We're just in high school. He's a high school buddy. And, um, they're telling me about some of the crazy shit that they've seen in this house. Cause at the, at this point I've had some creepy shit happen to me in my life stories that I've already told on this podcast, I'm open to hearing these types of things. Right. And, uh, so they're telling me stuff and I'm by the, by the time they get done, tell me two or three stories. I'm freaked the fuck out. I don't want to be in this house anymore. I start getting a negative feeling about being in this house. One of those subconscious sixth sense feelings. Right. And as, uh, as I'm in the peak of like me being freaked out while his mom is telling me some creepy shit. And it was like stories like, they had as as kids they had a Ouija board and they would kind of try to throw the Ouija board away in the trash. It would come back. And they would come back and be sitting on their fucking kitchen table. Those types of stories, right? And I I've actually tried a Ouija board once when I was in middle school. I bought one from the Mall of America. It was glow in the dark. And I never got it to work for me. I only tried it two or three times. By I, yourself? Uh with a couple of buddies. Oh, okay. It, it, I never got it to work. Um so I don't know if I fully believe in Ouija boards, but uh his mom is telling me this story and I'm a little bit freaked out being in this house right now. And I'm starting to get that feeling in my gut. Like, I don't know if I should be here. Um, and my buddy James comes out of the fucking dark hallway with a scream mask on and scares the shit out of me. And I fucking jump. I probably jump as high as I've ever jumped. Right. Like literally probably 40 inches off the ground, tuck the fucking knees and everything. Right. <laughs> I was freaked the fuck out. And so at that point I'm scared. I'm relieved at the same time that it was just my buddy James and I'm still just trying to process. And in that moment, I hear an old lady cackling in the kitchen. It's like if you and me are in this room, in the bathroom right there, that's 10 feet away, you hear someone going, (laughs) an old lady cackling like she just heard the funniest joke she's ever heard. I go, yo, I freeze in fear. I go, yo, did you guys hear that? And James is like, no. And his mom's like, what are you talking about? Like, you didn't just hear the fucking person laughing right there. As louder than any of us have been talking for the last hour. Laughing hysterically. That lasted about three seconds. You didn't hear that. And they're like, no. 
And I remember just shaking in fear. I was like, I have to get out of this house right now. I have to get out right now. And so his mom drives me home. I actually lived in in a neighborhood right next to it. So um, it was almost like going out of that old ass neighborhood into my neighborhood. It was like a sigh of relief because my neighborhood's newer. Yeah. Um, this is my mom's house. So the original house that I told you, the old neighborhood, that's the old neighborhood. I moved out of that when I was 14, 15, when I was in high school because my parents got divorced. My dad moved to the Lake of the Ozarks. My mom moved to this neighborhood. So we go to this neighborhood and uh, I told my dad about it. I told my mom about it. They, my dad was always skeptical of this stuff. My dad did not believe in anything paranormal at all. Um, he always was the type of guy who there's a logical explanation for everything. He, I even tried to tell him this story and he was like, I don't know. It could have been, it could have been the refrigerator making noise. I'm like one, the cackle was not in the room where the refrigerator's at. It was in the dining room and the kitchen's over there and we were in the living room. And I, and I know my dad's skeptical of this because I think I tried to mention the shadow figure to him a couple of times and he always laughed it off. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the only time I really saw my dad get truly, truly freaked out was, um, I should, I play, pulled a prank on him and you ever heard of the website called peteranswers.com? No. Well, I got, I got to tell the story and I got to tell you what it is now. But, um, <laughs> if, if I wasn't on a podcast with you, I would just show it to you this way. But Peter answers is like, uh, it's like an online psychic. It's a fake website meant to be a prank. Oh, you type in whatever question you want and it spits out an answer to you. Um, so anyways, the trick is when you hit the period period key, you can type what you want the answer to be spit out and the letters that appear up at, that looks like you're typing the, the question, um, it sh- appears as whatever you're supposed to be typing. So in one line, you type the declaration is what they call it. It's like, Peter, will you please answer the following question, right? You have to type that out. So if you type it out normally and you don't know the trick, you type in, Peter, will you please answer the following question? Then you type your question and it'll give you some vague answer, like whatever fucking some eight ball would give you. But if you know the trick, you hit the period key, you type in the answer you want it to spit out. It looks like you're typing, Peter, will you please answer the following question? You hit period to end your answer and then you just type out the remaining of the declaration and then you ask whatever question you want. And I pulled a prank on on my dad and I remember it, I started off small. So I would, I would be like, yeah, I don't know. They, someone showed me this at school and it really freaked me out. He's like, all right, show it to me. And I show it to him <laughs> and I'm, and I don't do it right the first time. Just, just for show, just to yeah. let him know that there's a way sometimes it won't answer your question properly. Cause I wanted, wanted to be convincing. So I was like, I don't know. That's kind of vague answer. I don't know. Let's try it one more time. Peter, will you please answer the following question? What color shirt is my dad wearing? White it spits out the right answer. <laughs> and he's like, eh, that's a lucky guess. And so then we call up my stepmom, who at the point was living in, in Missouri, right? And uh, we start asking her questions. We, we tell her to ask someone who's in the room with her something, and we'll ask the question, and we'll see if it gives us the right answer. And it started giving us the right answer because I'm fucking typing in the answers. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad, who's skeptical of everything, and by this point had already tried to tell me it was a fucking refrigerator when I clearly heard an old lady cackling. Um, I remember him going... In his head, his stare was like, does not compute, does not compute, fried, fried. And it was almost like you could almost imagine just smoke coming out of his ears because he couldn't compute what was happening right now. And he's like, shut it off. Shut off the computer. Exit out of the website. I don't ever want you to visit that website again. <laughs> I think I think he was trying to logically... Like hackers or something? He, I think he was try, trying to go down the hacker route. He thought maybe someone was bugging their house. Oh... 
Yeah, but then I told him it was a trick, and I told him that. But, yeah, he was super skeptical. So I've never, yeah, I mean, who the fuck knows with these stories? But as a kid, I never I never met any other buddy, any other kid or person who had experienced as much as, as I had experienced at the time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that leads me to, like, one more story because yeah. this just came popped into my head. And it was at the same house. Uh, we still live there to this day. And I don't know if it was, like, someone trying to break into our house mm. or if it was just a ghost. Cause it was at 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. and it was a time when my cousins had come over and so um our room was small and it couldn't fit all of us so we just moved it to the living room and we all just kind of set up camp there and then we fell asleep and then I, I just all i remember is waking up like at two two three three ish in the morning my cousin wakes me up he's like chris 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 do you hear that do you hear that and i'm like what what and then he just looks scared and i like at first there's silence there's nothing around and then all of a sudden we hear a knock at the door let me in. No. Yeah, and and we're like, I was like, what the fuck? Like, I was like, yo, 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 it, I got chills when you said that. Yeah, and he was just, and then we just, we just try to stay as quiet as possible because we're just scared. I'm just like, yo, like I don't even want to look at the people outside, right? Yeah. And it's like, again, let me in. And I'm just like, bro, stop, stop <laughs> saying that in my ear. I'm just like. <laughs> At that point, we were just so scared. We didn't know what to do. And I was just like... This is at your front door at 3 a.m. Yeah, this was outside at night, like 3 a.m. And I'm just like, what the fuck is happening? I don't know. Was it a whisper? Was it a kid? Was it a person? No, it sounded old. Like, he was out of breath. Like, it was just like, let me in. Like a whisper, but like clear whisper. And so we're just like, what the fuck? And so me and him... Because no one else was awake. It was just me and him. And we go back to the room, uh, my room. And then we just connect the GameCube, play some... uh, what is it the super the mario game the the mario soccer game and we just kind of stay up the rest of the night because we can't sleep and we're just thinking and the next day you know we check the people and there was we wouldn't even if we checked it we wouldn't be able to know just because there was a there was like this sign in front of the the people just saying like welcome or whatever but to this day i i I just remember this story and i'm just like fuck like i i don't know if it was someone trying to break in to our house or if it was a ghost trying to come in like you know request to come in like a vampire that reminds me of those fucking stories of like you ever heard the stories of kids that have black eyes Mm, no so it's like a urban legend and i don't i've never met anybody who actually claims they've met anybody like this and even the stories i've read about or seen online are just like kind of uh third party stories you know um but there it's like the kids they come to your front door and they try to get you to let them in and um, it's really a demon. And when you look at him in the eyes, their eyes are completely black. Oh, shit. Yeah, I just got goosebumps thinking about that, right? And so that kind of reminds me of, like, the baby story with, what was your grandfather? Yeah. And you said he became a priest after that? No, 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 no. It was uh, one of my mom's uncles. Oh, okay. So I don't know that relation with me. But, uh, no, he's always been a priest his whole life. Or growing up, I know. Because yeah. my mom comes from a family full, either they're priests or yeah. teachers. Quick question. Um you're Mexican, right? Yes. Okay. Did your parents or your mom ever talk about the legend of La Llorona? Not, no, she never talked about it. You ever heard about that? I, I heard about it, yeah. What's but your it was, take on it? I think it's kind of bullshit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly. Yeah, there's, I don't know. I, I know, like I said, like my mom and her family as well, just full. I feel like they have like the sixth sense. I don't know. They, yeah. Because from all the stories, I don't know. But it makes a good story. <laughs> so if anybody out there is listening to this podcast or you're watching this, hopefully you weren't watching this at 3 a.m. or in the middle of the night. 
hopefully, or even if you are into that shit, you know, hopefully you got what you wanted out of that scary story. I know I fucking get sucked in whenever I hear people talking about their paranormal experiences because I want to hear if anybody's experiences line up with mine, if they've experienced something similar. So I'm curious if you're listening to this, if you have the ability to comment, if it's on YouTube or something, I'm curious, tell your story down in the comments below. Um, but also I want to, I want you guys to understand this shit fucking happened. I don't know if it was a fucking ghost. I don't know if it was aliens and I don't know if it was a vampire, but I do know it happened and I have zero explanation for these things. And I don't think that my brain is powerful enough to fucking manifest things that I'm actually sensing in the real world that are not inside of me. Like these are things that are right there that I'm witnessing. Right. And so I just want to throw in a little disclaimer. I am not a Bigfoot believer. I do not believe in Bigfoot. There's a lot of things that I don't believe in, but I do believe that maybe, maybe there is something to do with ghosts. Maybe they're beings from a different dimension and the dimensions are lining up temporarily. Who the fuck knows? I'm sure maybe there is some science behind it that maybe we just haven't discovered yet. That'd be a fun guest to have on the show. Just someone who is more experienced. Theoretical physicist. Yo, Michio Kaku. You know who that is? No. He's like the Asian guy with the white hair who's on all the fucking, uh, uh, I guess, like science documentaries about the universe. Ah. And about like, he's a theoretical physicist, meaning he's so good at physics that he's his whole job is to theorize what where physics is the going. New. The new, right? So as a theoretical physicist, he would be someone cool to have on. Dude. I don't know if he would actually do it. But that'd be awesome if you would. And if you don't like, comment and share this video, you're going to hear a, let me in, in front of your door tonight. <laughs> on that note, bro, you guys know what to do. So um, that was our Paranormal Activity episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Peace out. Peace out.